Um, today's reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with scripture, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake, so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Last week, a friend of mine posted a comment on Facebook, which has stayed with me. And I think it's relevant to helping us with our passage for this morning from Paul's letter to Corinth. She said, and I quote here, a wind instrument can only make music because of the holes in it. Perhaps the wind of the spirit too makes music through the holes in our lives. Our wound is our gift. I think my friend here is echoing the insight of Paul when he said in one of the most well-known passages from 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in clay jars. There is a paradox, is there not, which we all experience 
in one way or another, between the sublime glimpses we're granted of the glory of God and our own mortality and fallibility. It seems that we cannot contain the mysteries of eternity because the truth is that we are finite and fractured. The treasure of heaven is in jars of clay. And in offering us this metaphor, Paul is freely acknowledging his own flaws and failings, which he knows full well he shares with everyone else, whether they acknowledge them or not. What he is saying is that we are, each of us, human, and that each of us deep down in our own way is deeply flawed and deeply vulnerable. But the, the glory, rather, the glory of Paul's proclamation of human frailty in the light of God's glory is that our brokenness is the very aspect of our being through which God's glory is made known in the world. God is at work not in perfection, but in imperfection. Have you ever come across the Japanese practice and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, perhaps Duncan and Yuka can correct me later, the Japanese practice of kintsugi. This is the art of repairing pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer, dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver or platinum. The story of kintsugi is said to have begun in the 15th century when a Japanese military commander broke one of his beloved Chinese tea bowls and disappointed with a shoddy repair job, urged Japanese craftsmen to come up with a more pleasing method of repair. It's a powerful metaphor for life where brokenness is transformed into beauty. Or if you want a slightly more contemporary example, there's a wonderful lyric by the late great Canadian Jewish singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen, in which he said, ring the bells that can still ring, forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There's great wisdom here, which God chooses to bring the message of life to light through deeply flawed human beings. That is, all of us, each of us. God works in and through people, bringing them to faith and service, not waiting for all the flaws to be fixed, but working through the failings in order to bring life to others. Let me tell you about my mum's terracotta bowl. This was a present that Liz and I had bought for her birthday and we carefully wrapped it and as we gave it to her it slipped from our hands and fell to the floor and the sound of it breaking was unmistakable. I begged her not to open it but rather to put it in the bin still wrapped and I just said we'll get, we'll get you something else but she insisted on seeing it and sure enough it was shattered. She put it to one side and graciously thanked us for the lovely thought. Well, the next time we went to their house, the bowl was there on display. 
She'd carefully taken each piece and glued it back together. It certainly wasn't a professional restoration job. You don't have to look very closely to see the cracks or the bits of extra glue, but from a distance it looks like the bowl that it was always supposed to be. In some ways, for those of us who know the story of its breaking, that history of brokenness adds value. It adds to the value we put upon it. Would it still be on display if it hadn't been broken? Maybe not. Maybe by now a perfect bowl would have gone to a new home or to a new use somewhere else. But the bowl that has been cracked and broken and patched back together now speaks of relationship, of love, of care and of memories. And so it still sits there on display. We have this treasure in clay jars. And I wonder about you, and I wonder about me. Are your cracks visible or invisible? Do you appear strong or weak, whole or broken? I have spent some time looking at um, the Enneagram and I'm fairly sure that the Enneagram type that best represents me is the, the number three on the Enneagram scale. If you don't know about this, you can go away and look it up later and there's lots of resources or ask me. But uh, the number three type wants to appear competent and strong. Some of us are like that. Others wear our cracks more visibly. But Paul knows that we all carry the scars of our vulnerability, whether we let them show or not. And his insight is profound. It is the cracks that make us more beautiful in God's sight. Because of our cracks and our history of brokenness, we are more able to make known the love of God than we would ever have been able to without that history. The gospel of Christ, which is the overwhelming and absolute love of God, is most clearly revealed through weakness. The cracks are how the light gets in. This is not to say, of course, that we must all of us spend all of our time exposing our flaws for public view. But knowing that we have them and that God sees them, and that God loves them, and that God works in and through them, and that we are better because of them. That's a profound insight. In our brokenness, we relinquish the goal of perfection. And we trust ourselves to the one who fully embraced and embodied the human experience of brokenness. As Paul might put it, we are united with the brokenness of Christ on the cross. Or as he did put it, we are always carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. It's only through God's power, that we can live out our calling to be faithful followers. 
those who attend groups such as Alcoholics Anonymous know that the first two steps towards finding new life through brokenness are firstly an admission of our own powerlessness to fix ourselves. And secondly, a belief that one who is beyond us, the higher power known through faith, can do with our lives what we cannot do for ourselves. Or again, as Paul might put it, we are saved through faith and not by works. But whose faith are we saved by? You see, if it's our faith, then it just circles back to us again and our ability to have faith. And oh my goodness, if I don't feel I've got faith, what hope is there? That's not it. The faith on which we depend is not our faith in Christ. It is the faithfulness of Christ. Any faith we may have and any action that may arise from it comes not from our own strength but from the faithfulness of Christ in the face of human brokenness. In other words, we are saved and redeemed because of the cross of Christ. It is as we participate in the self-giving love of Christ, who gave himself up to be handed over for crucifixion, it is in that that we discover the new life that comes through brokenness. And the thing is, there is great strength to be found here. The kintsugi golden join in a broken Japanese pot is stronger than the pot was originally. Without the cracks, the light can't shine through. Without weakness, the power of God is not made known. As any students of sci-fi films will tell you, the empire is only defeated by the rebel alliance when all seems surely lost. The significance of our lives can only be judged from beyond ourselves. And that which we experience as defeat, weakness and failure, may in the end be the moment of greatest revelation of God's love and power at work in us. So do not lose heart, friends. To quote Paul again, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen, that is eternal. Does anyone have any opening thoughts they want to share? Go on then, Jess. You think you raise a finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, Simon, thank you so much for your sermon. That was really, really powerful. Um, when, um, when I was reading, actually, it, um, I was really struck by the kind of the uh, the analogy of light and darkness, and um, I kind of. In the background I could just hear like John 1 5 the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it um, and I think that I think that that's kind of similar to the the concept of of, of brokenness you know when <clears throat> excuse me um, the concept of brokenness in that when we 
when we do feel at our most broken, we feel like the, we feel like the darkness is overwhelming us. Um, and so um, Paul's words of for what can be seen as temporary, but what cannot be seen as eternal, um, it really just resonated with me that actually like that we we try as humans to kind of ignore how um like we try to ignore our human nature and we try to strive for perfection and we we attempt to achieve perfection especially of those with perfectionist traits but i think we sometimes forget that actually you know we we can't be perfect because god is perfect um and yeah it just yeah it just really stuck struck a chord with me thank you jess i must say that in preparing for today's service and reading the sermon in advance thanks to simon publishing it on his blog um it made me reflect on um the fact that I learned more about myself in a time that others would describe as failure when I failed to complete a PhD um, than I would have otherwise done if I'd managed to continue that through. Um, that was a low time, but at the same time, it led to some of my most profound experiences of faith. Um, and the strength and support of friends and family through that time and that experience of faith is what brought me to where I am now, which was a very different path than I would have been on otherwise. Amy, I can see you nodding. Have you got further thoughts or are you... Uh... Um, I have a different sort of thought. I have a very difficult relationship with the word brokenness. Uh, because of my previous faith background, I feel that the word brokenness was used as a way to say fundamentally flawed, bad and wrong, as a way to say that human beings are fundamentally bad and messed up and wrong in every way and they need God to fix them. Um, and there is some truth in that in terms of that we are not fundamentally perfect, as people have said, but um, actually sometimes it's used in a way to not acknowledge the actual goodness that still exists in people um and that god is actually kind of healing us and bringing out new things in us rather than fixing something that's fundamentally bad and wrong um i feel sometimes the passage is taught that way whereas actually there is kind of intrinsic goodness even to like say if you are even a broken bits of pop that that isn't a fundamentally bad thing it's just um, God uses it in a new way by maybe putting the gold fixing around it. Like he brings a new thing out of it. Um, that's just my reflections on that. I see we've had a comment in chat from Alexandra and Simon and echo some of my earlier thoughts as well um, in advance. I suspect I'm one of those whose cracks are more visible. I so agree about the power of brokenness, but the world has taught me multiple times that it's better to hide the cracks. It can be hard to resist, e.g. at work where many people, particularly leaders, put forward a strong persona and hide some of the real stuff. 
I very much agree. I question whether or not we are aware of our own flaws or cracks and whether we choose to make them visible or strive to hide them. Um, and whether or not in making them visible, we actually enable God's power to be seen more clearly. But equally, how do we support each other to have the confidence to show those flaws and those cracks? Tommaso, you've been quite quiet so far. Have you got any thoughts or reflections that you'd like to add? Or frozen, potentially. Oh, so he's popped out to pop, come back in again, I think. He did say, he, I think he's joining us from Italy, and I think the internet was a little bit low there, so maybe he'll be, he'll be back in a sec. Um, I will say, Simon, your uh, your pronunciation of the Japanese has been uh, given a positive endorsement. Uh, uh, good. One, one likes to get these things perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a stigma, like with with regards to. I'm sorry, I can't remember who said it about hiding hiding our brokenness. I think there's definitely a stig still a very um, entrenched stigma within society surrounding mental health. That it should be, that it should be hidden, and obviously, um, sorry, mental ill health and mental illnesses are obviously invisible um, to to people unless we unless we share. Um, and I think that I think that more should be done, especially within the workplace, to to encourage a culture of openness where we are aware of those who lead us um, or who are kind of in charge of us um, to, to share their vulnerabilities as long as they feel comfortable to do so. Um, so that those who follow are more aware of the, of, of the leader's humanity, I guess. I think that's reflecting some of what Nigel's said in chat as well, that it's a really counter-cultural thing. Our leaders and celebrities are supposed to have no faults. Social media is full of a range of at things people said and did many years ago, and we don't permit faults in those in the public eye. Nobody wants to apologise. I believe showing our cracks and flaws and acknowledging them is a powerful thing. Yeah, and Dermot's comment, brokenness is often tied erroneously to shame, I think reflects your comments earlier, Amy, that yes, we are flawed, but it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, and it's very easy to tie that, those two concepts together. Tommaso, welcome back. <laughs> Have you got anything that you would like to uh, input into the discussion? Thank you, and, and sorry, but the, the internet connection is quite unstable, so I hope uh, everything will be all right for, for the prayers. Uh, my, my, my point, perhaps, uh, is just that once we, we acknowledge 
those uh, failures and we, we confront those weaknesses, we also have a real chance for personal and, and spiritual growth, uh, which otherwise we wouldn't have. At least that's my, my personal experience. Um, it's, I mean, it's not so easy to, to grow uh, uh, at personal level uh, without those challenges and without those moments. Uh, and, and sometimes moments of drift, moments of rupture, moments of, again, challenge are really important. And um, I'm not necessarily saying we should seek them, but when they happen, um, they can really kick off a, a process of uh, internal change that we might not go through in other ways other than by facing those challenges. So um, I think we should really, in a sense, brace for them and, and um, take the opportunity of growing through them. Very much so. I think also it can quite often be only in hindsight that we can look back on those times of challenge and realize how we did grow through them. Um, at the time, it can just be very uncomfortable. I want to also bring forward um, Duncan's comment in the chat, that it was interesting that you mentioned, the, that Simon mentioned the first two steps of the 12 step programs, such as AA. The other key concept used in those groups is that the goal is to stay sober just for today. So although we strive for faith, it only has to be enough faith to get us through one day or part of the day. And Liz has reflected that broken pottery or glass can sometimes be used to make beautiful art, such as broken full mosaics. Sometimes the pottery and the glass will be put back into in the same shape, if that's what's best. Sometimes not. The bits are in themselves beautiful, not just the mended version. And now we come to a time of prayer. Tommaso will be leading us in our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Great God of the whole earth, we thank you this morning for your constant presence, for your shining through the shadows and darkness in our lives, for offering through your words a fresh perspective on our flaws and weaknesses so we can embrace you and follow you, not by shrugging these features off, but by recognizing them as part of our nature finding the humility to acknowledge our inherent imperfection. We bring before you this morning our aspirations, our hopes, and our concerns as a community, being grateful for what we have received from others and willing to give back and share what we have with those who need it most. May we learn to enjoy the beauty of the creation in its wholeness, transcending boundaries and overcoming prejudices. Loving God, we pray for those who experience injustice every day, those who bear the burden of being subject to unfair treatment or faulty institutions, 
sometimes denting their faith and ability to open their hearts to your message of redemption and liberation. Lord, those were rejected or expelled or marginalized from our societies because of nationality, ethnicity, gender or religion under the misguided and dangerous assumption that communities would be healthier where they purged and cleansed from the undesirable. Those who appear not to fit in or meet some taken for granted standard of normality. Loving God, we pray for those who are exploited, those who are not properly and duly rewarded for their work, those who cannot escape hardship through their efforts and commitment for lack of opportunities, and those who are denied a decent living despite contributing to building and fueling some of the richest and most developed economies in the world. Loving God, we pray for those who are threatened by forces that are beyond their control, either at individual or at collective level, from anxiety, depression, and self-harm, to environmental damage, war, and pandemics. Loving God, we finally pray for ourselves. May we find the strength to resist pride, self-centeredness, and self-righteousness, and throw our energies into the task of caring for the world, fixing what can be fixed through dedication, resolve, and empathy. Amen.